The Urban Broadcast Collective brings together the best podcasts on cities and urban life. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Presence at the PIA Congress 2018 in Perth, and we're doing a series of long form interviews. And uh, we're very privileged and happy to have with us uh, Cecil Barnard today. So it's myself, Dr. Tony Matthews, and Dr. Paul McGinn, uh, and Cecil. And Cecil's work focuses on uh, the influence and disruptive potential of uh, artificial intelligence within the planning profession. So, uh, Cecil, tell us a little bit about uh, what, are we, what are we seeing? What does AI mean for planning? Good afternoon. Um, in my opinion, AI means two, thing for, two things for planning. The one part sits with uh, strategic planning where, and urban design, where we do a long-term visionary kind of work. And I see that uh, artificial intelligence will be extremely beneficial in there, you know, to do predictions, to run modeling. Uh, for that, I see a glorious future together. My concern as the uh, a DA planner, development assessment planner, is that the more and more the public demands tick box solutions for complex problems, the more and more DA planning are susceptible to be taken over by a machine. Because machines are really good when it comes to uh, a prediction or to following to following a set set of rules, uh, to follow, uh, uh, like I can say, a recipe. Machines are really good with that. They are very. They really cannot make complex decisions, but they can come to a conclusion when there's a lot of information that they have to go through. So my, I won't say fear. Fear is perhaps a strong word, but my worry sits in DA as it is at the moment, where town planners uh, want themselves and as well as the community want tick box solutions. And I think tick box. Solutions is something that you get when you apply for a credit card or want to buy uh, a car online and not when you're a town planner. Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of thinking a little bit about this. We live in a world where everything is driven by apps at the moment. So I'm kind of thinking, and this is maybe some way related to AI, but are we going to see kind of the appification of the development assessment process? So you can have an app on your phone punch in the information you need, and that will turn a response back to you very promptly. Yeah. It is already happening. I can say that Rockhampton Regional Council in central Queensland, they don't have an app on their phone, but you can go to their website. And on their website, you type in your property address, and then you type in what you want to do. But they, you, don't, you, ha, you select from a list of things. So the list is typical, the town planning screen definitions, and then you say you want to do the development. And then it will spit out for you a PDF or four, five, or seven pages of the zoning, uh, what overlays impacts on the land, what definitions is, and is it an application? And if it is an application, is it a code or impact? So that is already in existence. Uh, I think Rocky, Rockhampton Regional Council, is fortunate that they just a year ago implemented a new uh, Sustainable Act planning scheme. So it, it, it is QPP or Queensland. A planning provisions compliant planning scheme and they could bring all that in plus they are <clears throat> they have a big budget so they yeah. could spend the money um, I am in at Western Downs Regional Council we have a brand new planning scheme uh, planning act compliant planning scheme but because we have a low turnover of applications we didn't spend the money to do that most councils now go and I speak out of the context of a council DA 
manager. Um, most councils want to have the, the ability to allow the public to go to a block of land, to click on a block of land, and then to determine what is the zoning and what overlays there are. So that basically, that exists already. Um, I have heard uh, a rumor that the state government is working with a virtual reality and augmented reality of that two steps further, where you do a development, but then you have to put on their website, a bit like uh, Perth has described, the manager of Perth have described just now, where uh, they then, you as a developer, then put your 3D model on the block of land and the public then can sort of walk through it, or walk around it to get wow. the good impact of what the development will be on the site. I think that is fantastic. That is yeah. absolutely a, a, a great step forward in allowing the public to, to, to take part in, 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 uh, in the assessment process. Um, but my worry is, but two steps earlier, is that I'm afraid that because of the demand of the public and many young town, no, I don't want to say young town planners, there's a certain generation of town planners who really like tick box solutions. They don't want to make a decision. They say, the planning scheme says, yeah. rather than, I am a town planner and I am saying this. Yeah, so, that interpretation of the planning scheme yeah. where a human makes the, yeah. ultimately the, the judgment, you know, or, or the decision on a, a DA application, yeah. basically. Yeah. You're, 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 I mean, I'm very interested in what you're saying here. And, and so it sounds like there's both opportunities and threats. This, I agree. And, and so is it reasonable to say that the, the threat is in terms of the activities and employment potential for planners in the DA space, which, let's be honest, that's where a lot of planners work. I, I think so. So that's where AI is perhaps a, the biggest threat to the profession. Yep. But on the other hand, potentially the biggest advantage based on what you said is, is this augmented reality approach yep. so that the public can more visually and um, holistically understand what a what a, a development proposal yep. is actually proposing yep. and the height and the scale and the massing of, yep. of projects. I agree. And that obviously helps a lot when you're in a city or in an urban area where you have a lot of development and the public gets very confused. There's 20 DAs in a street block. They don't really know what's going on. In the regional areas where we have four MC or four DA applications a month and two of them are for sheds and one is for a new dwelling house, it's a completely different thing. And those, let, let me call it simple or basic applications, they are the typical ones that will be able to just be assessed by a machine, by a by a software program and then spit out approval in hours rather than 20 business days that is uh, required. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's a great deal of anxiety around and, and, and people like myself and Paul here are sort of at the forefront of hearing about it in the sense that there's a lot of anxiety around the future of employment and graduate potential and, and sectors that will be heavily impacted by AI and what that means and, you know, the decisions that you make to study something at third level now may not be necessarily strategic in the long term. Okay. What's your appraisal overall of the future of the planning profession? Would you, for example, advise an 18-year-old who's thinking about studying town planning um, at university to do that, knowing that they have a 40-year or longer career ahead of them? Do you think there will be work there? It's Yes, I would. I have seen, I'm, I'm not sure, I think I, might, I may be a bit older than you guys, and I have I studied. Oh, uh, I studied in a different guy. <laughs> I did my, my 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 town planning BA or my bachelor's degree in South Africa, and I had the privilege of working in on three continents to see planning on a completely different scale than just first world planning in mm -hmm. Australia. 
And I believe in a, a, a developed country like Australia with a high immigration or high population growth, there is a tremendous future for planners. But the way we do planning now will not exist in 10 years' time. The profession will change and technology will drive the profession, will drive the change. And the second thing that will drive the change, my opinion, is the public, the general public's uh, demand to be involved in development assessment. Uh, if, if you follow the ground swell of public opinion against the corruption charges that was now on Ipswich against the, the mayor and the CEO and a number of the high-ranking officers and uh, apparently on some other councils as well, the, the public is really angry about that and the public really wants input into development applications mm. because they say that is the space where a lot of corruption can take place. So it's a bit removed from is there a future? I firmly believe there is a, there is a future, but the future will be very different from what we learned 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, but I suppose, I mean, we're, we're you know, at the end of the day, we're still a people profession, aren't we? You know, exactly. And, and no AI or algorithm, no matter how sophisticated, can, mind you, Google are doing their best, but, um, but really, you know, the, 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 the human contact and the human impact of, of, of planning that's not going to change really is it so I agree with you I fully agree with you for me that there lies a great opportunity for us as planners is to interact with the public right in the beginning I would use an example where we are now uh, solar farms or renewable energy facilities is a code accessible application in in our uh, regional and in our council according to our planning scheme but what we require of the developers is to do before they lodge an application is to speak to all the adjacent people and to hold community meetings explaining to the people what it is, mm. what it is about. And of the 11 solar farms that we have approved in the last 18 months, there were two people that objected against it. The rest of the people all listened, learned, and they said, oh, okay, it's not going to have a big impact on me. Actually, it's going to have no, a solar farm has no impact on me as a neighbor. My house is going to be 500 meters away or there's no noise, there's no odor. But that first line dealing with the public, I believe, is really important. And for somehow, developers are really scared of that. And I have seen in controversial applications in, in my career in Queensland, is that developers will pr uh, push out, push out the public participation part right until the end, when they have finalized everything, when they've purchased the land and paid lots and lots of money for engineering designs. But I firmly believe, like what they do in Africa, is you do your public consultation at, right in the at the front end. Yeah, at the front end. Because the then you take the public along on your. And the moment public, the people take ownership of a thing, it's very hard for them to, to turn around and say no. Um, I in Africa we learned the very very hard lesson of doing planning for people or doing planning with people, and I think that will be one of our biggest changes with augmented reality, artificial intelligence is taking the public from the beginning. One, I mean, just one of the things that um, planning is, and I often say this to my students, is you've got to be mindful that planning is political. I agree. So, and this comes back to the human point that, um, that, that Tony was kind of raising there, because ultimately the politics is created by us, you exactly. know, and, and the political institutions that, that we inhabit and that, that we <coughs> believe in and stuff. In some senses, what you're saying, would seem AI would seem to be a way of depoliticizing decision-making processes, particularly within the statutory planning kind of domain. Would I be right in that kind of thinking? Is it 
is there a depoliticization motive behind the push behind AI in planning? I would hope so. Um, of the of the biggest court cases that I have dealt with as a DA manager in my life was where the councillors made a political decision against the recommendation of the planning officers and refused it or approved it. Um, and I will use an example in on the Southern Downs at, between Warwick and Stansthorpe. Uh, we recommended for approval 12 uh, a, a wind farm of 12 turbines. The council refused it against our recommendation based on a Google University of Google fears. Yeah. And uh, in the end, it was approved in the court, but costing the community a quarter of a million dollars. So uh, when we have that technology, as well as the early engagement of, of people, political influ or, uh, negative influencing, or uh, not even negative, but decision influencing by politics can be minimized. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'm thinking here actually of Andreas Faludi's work, you know, in your planning theory many years ago and his book in planning theory and looking at development assessment and the statutory planning sort of things. He, he grounded a lot of his thinking in kind of cybernetics in a way. And I kind of think in a way what you're talking about now with AI is a, you know, the, a full circle, but a much more developed way of thinking about how decision making within planning organizations will be kind of hyper rational mm. because an algorithm you know, it's essentially is a, is a hyper-rationalist way of processing data and information. Yeah. And it sets the politics to the side, in a sense. But yeah. really, of course, planning is always wrapped up in politics. Yeah. You can't escape it even. I think as much as what we want to try, planning will always be... Uh, clouded is not the right word, but it, it will always have a political influence. Always. Because you make decisions on a use that will impact on other people's lives. So it's very different then buying a new car versus getting a 20-story development approved on the block next to you is two very different decisions, two very different impacts. Uh, one thing that I believe is that councillors also need to be trained better to understand planning, to understand the implications of the decisions they make. Many councillors think in a four-year cycle. They think, and I have seen that once they're elected, the first year they make bold decisions, the second year less. From the third year on, they don't make any controversial decisions because they want to be re-elected. And they need to get a lot more training how to, be, how to make good planning decisions. Because sometimes very poor planning decisions are made by the councillors, not by the planners. Well, that's the thing. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a, I think, a thing that a lot of people don't understand necessarily about our profession is that we're not decision makers. Yeah, we're not decision makers. We, we make recommendations yeah. based on an assessment of best practice and best outcome as we see it given our training and history and background, yeah. but we don't make the decisions. Exactly. But if the decisions go the wrong way or the wrong decision gets made or an unpopular decision gets made, well, we're the ones that end up... With an egg and our face. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 Now, yeah. To come back to your original question, the more I research artificial intelligence, and I did a, a, a course through MIT, Artificial Intelligence in Strategic Planning, but not strategic planning as in town planning, strategic yeah. planning as in business uh, planning. Yeah. 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 And there, they, and it, I must say, uh, it was one of the best courses I've ever done in my life. The, the level of and the quality of the information that they gave was just fantastic. And that changed my mind completely from being negative towards 
artificial intelligence now towards be very open to it and also accepting of it with the proviso that we need to also change the way we look at the world a bit. How, um, I suppose, how extensive is the practice of AI within the planning profession in Queensland or Australia at the moment? Uh, can you give us some other examples of places that are at the forefront of using AI? The, 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 bigger, the bigger the city or the bigger the council, the, the more they do it. Uh, we just now s saw a presentation of Perth and the, the planning manager of Perth spoke about how they use 3D modeling, uh, not flying helicopter height, but 1.8 meter person height, and how they do that and then put not the one development, but all the developments on the street block in the model. So the bigger councils do it fantastically. And they also provide Perth, uh, provide the software under a license agreement to the developer. So the developer then uses their software, so there's no conflict of software. And that the part that's then on their website, it is really phenomenal what they do. Um, I do, however, believe that the smaller councils and the poorer councils just don't have the budget. And they also just don't have the staff. They don't have the people to, to, to do that kind of really special, specialized kind of work. I mean, I'm very interested in it, yeah. but I don't have a technical qualification to be an artificial intelligent driver or manager or... Uh, that is a special set of skills that will be neat to train, and I think that's something that our universities perhaps need to look at. Yeah, I think um, I mean it'll be interesting to see, you know, because obviously AI is, will be in a, the computer science department exactly. of, of a university, <laughs> you know, in a university context. I mean, there are some um, planning scholars who do stuff, and you know, using kind of visualization and very kind of technical dimensions of planning, yep. uh, using GIS and stuff like this. But AI itself is going to be interesting. I mean, how, uh, how do we get that, looking into the future, how do we get that into planning education at a, at a kind of university level? Well, I'd, I'd venture actually that part, I mean, actually a fair bit of curriculum design and program design in the universities is in fact driven by the professional body. So it's driven in Australia by the Planning Institute. Yeah. It's driven elsewhere by the Royal Town Planning Institute or whoever your, your local professional um, organization is and, and because they have the accreditation process they tend to say well we're happy with this we're, ha we're not happy with that and we think you should add this in yeah. so yeah. to my mind it's it's less likely that the universities will, aut will sort of autonomously move in this direction in terms of adding AI into planning education but they'll mm. do it if the professional organization yes. starts mm. to insist upon it mm. but that is also a concern for me personally because I don't think for example that the professional organization um, in this country anyway has been too um, proactive about things like renewable energy I think we're oh, sort indeed. of lagging behind on that yeah, so yeah. so I, I see a potential pinch point there mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you guys agree but that would be a personal concern yeah. Uh, yeah. what will be interesting for me is the next five years if we look at the take-up of the gen the mum and dad using Google and Google Street View when they come to our DA with a duty planner counter They've already done homework. They said, we drove with Google past the street. This is what is there. Why? This is what's going to happen. Why? So a lot of those things will come from the ground swell, from, from the public. And that will force us as town planners to have a different approach. And that may force us to approach PR, the institute, to take a different approach and to, to bring a different uh, curriculum or, or just, you know, the soft skill courses in and that may change the universities. I think 
you know, learning from what I've done in the past four months um, is that it will come from the ground. It won't, it won't come from the universities or the institute. Unfortunately, uh, many times the institutes, are so, they are so busy with uh, uh, party politics and things like that, is that uh, they forget to focus on these things that really is of importance in our profession. Okay, well, okay, well look, Cecil, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure. Uh, <laughs> interesting to hear about the kind of the emergence of AI in time planning practice. Uh, and no doubt the future is going to look uh, very interesting as we move forward. So thank you very much for speaking to us here at the Urban Broadcast Collective. Yeah, it is really a great pleasure. It's a big honour. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very awesome. much. And have a nice lunch. Let's get a. Can we get a quick photograph of you? Because yeah. um, we'll use a, that for a promo shot as well on the phones. And yeah. We'll use that behind us. So. Okay. We'll be able to spruik everything. Actually, I'd like a shot of you as well because um, uh, I'm not called in the 